You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little side street podcast in the regular Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And joining us today are Chris and Melissa LaMartina, co-producers of Out There, the Halloween megatape. Uh, Chris is also the writer-director of the film, and Melissa stars in it as Ivy Sparks, the uh, host of a fake 90s TV show. Out There Halloween Megatape is a sort of unofficial sequel to WNUF. It's really kind of been billed for a while now, until it came out as WNUF 2. And it is very much its own thing. A spiritual brother. (laughs) Uh, Yes, but if you were a fan of the WNUF Halloween special uh, that came out a few years ago, you are going to absolutely love this spiritual sequel, this 90s spiritual sequel. Yeah, if you were unfamiliar with WNUF, you definitely have to seek it out. It's a really fun Halloween night romp, a live quote-unquote broadcast of a Halloween special gone wrong. It's got everything you love from retro television, uh, newscasters being goofy and weird, commercials upon commercials upon commercials, and some spooky hijinks. If you watched and fell in love with the BBC's Ghost Watch, which has had a modern resurgence now that uh, people in Britain aren't allowed to watch it again, <laughs> uh, you're really going to love everything that the La Martinas are doing because the out there Halloween megatape is just more of that faux realism goodness. It's hard to call it found footage. It's more like collage filmmaking. But it also comes from the perspective of you purchasing it at a bootleg video store. And oddly enough, like that is sort of woven through the story of the movie. But also, like if you were to, if you were one of the people that pre ordered it or supported it on its crowdfunding campaign, it came with a booklet of bootleg tapes that don't exist including the out there Halloween mega tape. I've got it in front of me. It's Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon. I mean even if even if you just buy the movie now, you can get a full commentary from uh the bootlegger Trader Tony. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Yeah. But even if you just want to watch it as a regular movie, it's just um, a story in two parts. Yes, story in two parts set during the 90s with commercials that are so close to reality that you'd think they're real. They are so good at towing the line between being funny and nostalgic and kind of making fun of what they were and just being what they were. Yeah. These are actually kind of hard movies to talk about because they are their own unique little pieces of filmmaking. And I love what... Uh, I love what Chris and Melissa have done with the Out There Halloween megatape. It is a fucking crowd pleaser from start to finish. And it is just a oddball piece of horror horror genre sci-fi cinema. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're a fan of found footage movies um, and everything that's involved in independent filmmaking, you're really going to love this conversation. So uh, stay tuned for our chat with Chris and Melissa LaMartina on Out There, the Halloween Megatape, a.k.a. WNUF2. The following presentation contains controversial theories that may not be suitable for all audiences. The views and opinions expressed in this program are not the only possible interpretations. 
Viewer discretion is a Chris, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We're so excited to talk to you about... What's the official title of this? Is it just Out There Halloween Megatape, or is it actually WNUF2 Out There Halloween Megatape? <laughs> so so I think calling it WNUF2 leading up to the actual release was to keep the title a secret. Because okay. um, when we shipped people their copies, we wanted them to get these weird packages from Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon, not knowing what it was. So the official title is Out There Halloween Megatape. <laughs> But for marketing purposes and keep it hush hush, WNF2. Well, and also because no one would understand what we were talking about. Like the out there Halloween megatape, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think I watched that on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. My my dad, and I shouldn't say this, he listens to the podcast. My my dad is like that where I'll I'll mention the most obscure movie and be like, oh yeah, no, I think I've I think I've seen that every single time. <laughs> I'm, I, you know what I should do actually is go through this Trader Tony's tape dungeon catalog. You should and just, just start quizzing throw, them. Yeah, I mean it's all over now. He's gonna listen to the show. Right. <laughs> He's like, oh well, right, my son's a jerk. Amount of time to trick your dad. Well, dude, that's what's so. That's what's so funny. Years ago, we were at um, I don't know if we were at Blobfest or somewhere, but somebody walks up to our our, our table and they're like, uh, WNF Halloween special. I remember I remember seeing this as a kid. Oh wow. And I'm like, the fuck you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a five-year-old, to be fair. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a five-year-old remembered watching this in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so uh, for anybody who's familiar with WNUF, I think they, they kind of know what they're, they're in for. But could you maybe explain to people who are just hearing about this for the first time the mad brilliance that these projects are? <laughs> I'll, I'll humbly say it's interesting. <laughs> um, so, so if you don't, the first one is basically like if you tape TV, local TV in the 1980s, right? So you're like a, a newscaster is doing a live broadcast from the town's haunted house. And it's very takes place in 1987. It's like you taped it off TV with fake commercial breaks every five minutes, right? And some people hate that because they don't understand that commercials were so much a part of us growing up watching TV. Um, the sequel, the the conceit without their Halloween mega tape is you've got a tape from a mail order movie catalog, right? So I would say I started collecting tapes uh, probably when I was pretty, uh, probably before I was 10 years old, but I started getting mail order catalogs when I was around like 10 to 13 because some of the deep cuts horror wise you couldn't get at like your local video store. So if I wanted like an uncut version of Dead Alive or if I wanted like Sam Raimi's short films, I had to get them from these really weird, pretty seedy mail order catalogs that luckily my mom did not care about letting me get. <laughs> um, and so, so the conceit with the out there Halloween mega tape is um, you're buying, you're getting a catalog of fake or of real movies, quote unquote, from Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon, which is a mail order catalog based somewhere in the, the uh, mid Atlantic, I guess New Jersey, based off his accent, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like you know. This is a compilation of t of a, a TV talk show host show and then a, um, a small uh, network's um, uh, Halloween night presentation this time. And it all takes place in 1994 and 1996. The Trader Tony thing is so, like, I think it makes it very hard to try and explain to people what the movie is, right? Because, like, where do I start? Do I explain the movie? <laughs> do I explain Trader Tony? Okay, so there's, there's, back in the 90s, there were catalogs. Like, you kind of have to, like, deliver people, like, a history what of the What year were you 90s. born? Start with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is pretty crazy. I mean, like there's c collecting now. I mean, there's obviously this huge resurgence of VHS culture, but like 
back when you were like a young horror fan in, in the 90s or even before that, it was like really hard to find some of this stuff. I mean, like that's why the whole shtick with you. And, and I should clarify, the Trader Tony's Tape Dungeon catalog is we, re, we gave it to a certain level of crowdsource backers, but then also you could only get it with the VHS bundle. And then occasionally I'll slip some copies to people with a wink. Uh, but basically this catalog is 350 fake movies. And it's it's hard to believe that that's how some people, that's the only way you could see like, uncut versions or director's cuts for a long time before, you know, before DVD and Blu-ray really emphasize special features. Well, one movie in it is real because WNUF is in there too, isn't it? Oh, that's true. Yeah, WNUF, WNUF and, and Out There, there, and out there. there so are. And then there, there's a couple other ones I've been tempted to make that are in the catalog, but uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't know. I only have so much life in me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, like we actually needed the the hosts like for our notes here before the call. We needed the host's name for out there, and, and I just assumed that it'd be in the catalog. And bam, it was there. <laughs> so it's also a cheat sheet for the movie if you're doing an interview with the filmmakers. <laughs> That's like something that's like so important to that world building, right? So there's a lot of directors and weird characters and and like um, stars from these movies that sort of go throughout the throughout the zine. But yeah. yeah, we were actually um, before this interview, we were watching out there with your director's commentary. And evidence of that is that the de- the dentist, the Dracula dentist, is a character, yeah, yeah, right? Well- <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Werner Glass is the is the character name. It's our buddy Mike Zaccardi, uh, who plays him, and then also uh, uh, Judge Grimm in, in the Blood Gavel <laughs> promo. <laughs> but we tried to make, and like Werner Glass is in the tape trading catalog, so he literally like like threads through in a bunch of like I mean I made some joke about how he plays a lactating drill sergeant in a Vietnam era comedy, <laughs> like all this weird shit that would that would never you know like. We're pretty dedicated to the world building yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you'll find Reed Richmond throughout the catalog listed there. Stuff that's like mentioned in the movies in there, like Bikini Mortuary, which Reed Richmond <laughs> is in, right? I, believe, no, I, I think he is. I, I think he that. is. I think he plays a doctor or something. <laughs> and if he isn't, now he is because we just right. we, we just made it part <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Do you guys just continually riff like up new movies that could get put in the catalog? Like, do you have a well, do you have a document that you're continually updating? <laughs> okay, the catalog part two. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, like, I don't know if Melissa was to talk about the process, but I mean, like, I knew I wanted to do this early on with the movie, right? And um, mostly because like it was just it was fun, but ultimately like the idea of like you know with the original WNF, it's like okay, how are you getting this tape? Theoretically, you're watching the tape that came from Harvest, right? Because there's like weird shit at the end of the movie. But with this one, I was like, okay, in the '90s to me what was the vessel how would i actually get something of, of these two tapes and make sense that stitch together but the process of writing the catalog oh yeah like during the pandemic when no one had anything else to do you know we'd like pour glasses of whiskey and sit on the sofa and just be like okay what's a really good title for a movie about horny nuns how about <laughs> one that's like an orphan who learns kung fu you know just like Hell weird yeah. prompts and like would list all these movies and then Chris gets up really early. So he'd get up at like four 30 or five. Oof. And by the time I got up a couple hours later, he'd be like, okay, I wrote, you know, 20 descriptions for these like dumb titles that we came up with last night. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of them really would start either with a title or with a really, really simple log line. And then obviously some of it's like influenced by like, okay, like, um, Oh, let's make something that's like, um, I mean, the thing I bring up all the time is, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, this is non-horror, but a lot of the stuff in the catalog is non-horror. I don't know if you've ever seen Winnebago Man. It was like this oh, weird yeah. tape of a guy, so yeah, like losing his shit because uh, he can't like deliver lines for this Winnebago <laughs> infomercial. Yeah. So like there were, there were things that were like improvised, like, okay, I'll come with something like Angry Chef about a guy who's doing a cooking show and losing his fucking mind. You know, <laughs> yeah. so things like that were influenced by some things that really were in these tape trading catalogs. Like I think um, 
there was one, I'm just like, I remember this one, this one thing I never ordered from. Um, so the one I would always order from was called Catalog of Carnage. And um, the, they had a one thing in there that was called Farting Preacher. It was like a short. <laughs> and I, but I never, I never ordered it. And I was like, what the fuck is that short about? So I think I, I wrote one in the I catalog called like, called like stoned, like preacher or something. Well, I think what they ended up doing, I could be wrong. It's probably on YouTube now. I could probably look it up right now, but I think they just added fart sound effects to like a, like oh. a Jerry Fall sermon. <laughs> that as a tape because now it's like you could go on youtube or like remember when vine was a thing and you could probably find like a 20 minute compilation of fart sounds like set to sermons a man kids don't understand you had to order that shit and you'd be ripped yeah. off a lot of times you know it's like i mean that's like the same thing when you when you'd like what expectations though? for farting preacher i want i want the fucking I want the apocalypse now of flatulent <laughs> Five hours of farting. I want a three tape set. I don't want the clickbait version. I want the hours. Yeah, I want. Of I it. want the Redux. Yeah. Yes. I want the director's cut. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. There's the, the Kim and I. There's a book that we did not get from a thrift shop one time, and it has oh, haunted us for years. It's called Who Farted. It's called Look Who Farted. <laughs> Look Who Farted. <laughs> And it's it's just still frames from like old black and white movies where characters are looking at each other and like maybe one of them is looking a little suspicious or embarrassed and that's it and that's, that's, that's all it is. Book. It's like, like like a coffee table book and like I think the queen is in it. Like it, it was, I love that. Yeah, yeah, and we should have got it. It's it's I, I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it on eBay. But. <laughs> Wow. Hey, Christmas is coming. You never know what drive in the mail. Oh, yeah, the, the search continues. Yeah. We love making dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say though, if I could make a pitch like of anything in this book sure. that you should absolutely make, it's the the best of Ivy Sparks compilation tape. Because I, 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 I mean, they, I'm I'm sure you've got a hundred great ideas for for <laughs> Ivy Sparks, but uh, the idea that she tells a, like a, a KKK member to be nice sounds way too fun to pass up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, oh my God, we'd have to rebuild that whole set. Because oh we, right. we, we had our friend Sierra built that set at um, a local um, uh, Baltimore Rock Opera Society um, that Melissa was really involved with for a long time. Yeah, but you know, you brought it. Yeah, no, I mean, we just, we, I mean, originally we were supposed to shoot all of the Ivy stuff in one day and, you know, just like shoot all the audience and flip around and shoot all the stage stuff. And we were supposed to shoot that april of 2020 so clearly that didn't happen so <laughs> ended up like as we were able to move toward shooting with multiple people again we ended up doing that in two separate locations which i think worked out for the best oh yeah totally you don't want anybody to get fatigued you know and dealing with a lot of people actually like our audience members were amazing like yeah typically you can be a little bit worried about that situation of having that many people who are mostly just sitting and waiting for the next thing that they're told to do losing interest or kind of, you know, getting off task or whatever. But man, they were excited. They were so on board with everything and were so enthusiastic and just like nailed it. Well, it's funny too, because I feel like the idea of it was everyone had already been like, it was right when people were getting vaccinated again, everyone was like across the board. Most people in Maryland were, were all vaccinated at that point. And um or that we're going to get vaccinated, rather, I should say. <laughs> um, but they were all dressed up. So, like, for the context of people not listening to haven't seen the movie, the first half hour is a, is a Halloween episode of a 90s tabloid talk show. Um, and I'll, I won't go too much more in detail about that. But everyone had to show up in costume. And whoever didn't come in costume, we had a whole, like, assembly line of shit that they could grab from our, like, holding area. 
And um, I mean, just looking up this audience of people dressed as like clowns and like and like ninjas and like all these like it was such a weird experience because that was probably the most people had ever been with other folks oh in, since the whole pandemic. Yeah. So people were just stoked. Yeah, um, yeah. But then yeah. we we ended up you know looking for the location for the actual stage okay. stuff, yeah. and um, we had a, a set designer friend of ours who designed a beautiful set when I had um, directed a production of Frankenstein a few years ago. Oh, like, oh wow! She can make anything and make it cheap she's so talented incredible if yeah. anybody is in baltimore and needs a set designer sierra ho is amazing <laughs> um but she built this on the practice stage of the baltimore rock opera society's new home and we were able to just take over that space for a couple of weeks while she yeah. built and then we did that side of everything and like it's one of those things that's just testament to like how supportive the arts community of Baltimore is. Like yeah. we talk about that all the time, that there are things that we do that we could not do anywhere else because yeah. like the community is always just so stoked to be involved and to like participate in stuff like that. But I also wanted to give a side note because you were talking about people being in costume uh -huh. for the audience. One of our friends showed up a full week early in costume oh, no. <laughs> for the location. And it was at this theater in this small town that's like 45 minutes north of us. And she's like, knocking on the door. <laughs> and she's dressed up as a vampire. Of course. <laughs> oh, a whole week early. It was so cute. Like holding a fucking orange pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's Aww. amazing yeah. uh, definitely made it into a facebook post right just like oh yeah, yeah. the world's still weird everybody yeah. <laughs> oh that's so great it would be great if it was like a church you guys were filming at right <laughs> right oh man that's well that's the other thing man we've done we've had situations like that with years past so the movie that melissa and i met making uh was a film called call girl of cthulhu and we actually got kicked out of uh we were supposed to um this is a crazy story we were supposed to film all these cult scenes at this at this now closed church, and uh, somebody on crew left the sign for the cult church that we only had like it was only gonna be up for an exterior shot. They left the sign on the church. They were like, "Oh, we'll just get it in the morning." Someone from the church saw that, called them, and kicked us out of the location. Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's that's a crazy story involving uh, churches. <laughs> That's wild. I love the I, I love the the Ivy Sparks of it all. Like that was a huge left turn that I wasn't ex like having seen the original the the yeah. having seen WNUF. I wasn't expecting a '90s talk show at the beginning of the of Out There. I was so stoked because yeah. even in the intro, I was like, "Oh, we're surely we're not going to get the whole show." And yeah. then we did with like with like the coming up. We're going to talk to a real vampire, and we're going to talk. I was like, I really hope we're going to watch this show. And then we did, and it was just like my child. Oh yeah, just con constantly worried at some point it's, we're gonna flip channels to something else, right? Like, yeah. please stay here, dude. That's so awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. You, you like you guys really, really nailed like what a '90s talk show looked and felt like, and in who the host was. Like, it's I, I, I would be a person who walks up to your table at Blobfest and says like, "Oh, I've seen that show." Like, it just it feels very real. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. well i was gonna say like and also too figuring out what we wanted to lampoon with this one was like in the original wnf it's like clear like and this is one reason why people might not like the new one as much from a standpoint of i don't know if the new one's necessarily a horror film you know like it, it just feels like almost like a weirdo comedy but with like like you know there's like horror and sci-fi and just exploitation elements but like i was gonna say like with the original it's like 
it's we were figuring out oh we can do this right and like oh we'll make it a haunted house movie like that'll be like sort of like what's the the classic halloween story a haunted house and then like with the with the sequel i was like okay what kind of media like really feels 90s to us and the commercials were the starting point but then i was like dude when i was a kid i watched a fuck ton of like jerry springer and ricky lake oh, yeah. and then the rest of the stuff i watched was stuff like unsolved mysteries and sightings and things like that so really like leaning into into those two things as my most beloved i say i guess forgotten mediums like those don't translate these days don't have that as much maybe maybe the latter half but yeah yeah, I mean, like it's it's definitely making a comeback. I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have a sightings reboot on Hulu. <laughs> Man, fingers crossed, dude. I, I don't know if we're that lucky though. <laughs> I, I'm completely unfamiliar with that show. Uh, we only really heard about it after after seeing this movie. So we're definitely oh, gonna, we're definitely going to start digging it up. We're oh, dude, like you guys, we're deep obsessed it. with UFO stuff yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love it. Then. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you also do a really great job of. I don't know, like, the WNUF feels like, oh, these are this is the 80s in a nutshell, but out there, it, it sort of highlights the idea that, like, oh, the 90s kind of had two different phases. Like, we had the beginning of the 90s and the end of the 90s, yeah. and they were completely different. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, like, I feel like that's one of the things that, like, it was important to, to represent those two eras, because there is sort of, like, this, like, it becomes slightly more, I don't want to say, like, modern, because it's what 20 some years ago but it's like there is a a shift of like um i mean i don't know, I, I do think with wnuf it like the like the early 80s and late 80s were much different but we were going with 87 so like that was always the sweet spot where in this one it really is the biggest component for me is the corporatization of lo like local channels right so like you have ace essentially this big conglomerate buying wnuf the small mom and pop station and i think that really changed it becomes like a fox right like it becomes like something where it's like like, uh, oh, shit, they're not like they're doing shows like, you know, cops and alien autopsy and they're not doing stuff as much as like, um, you know, you're, you might not even have your local advertisers as much as you would. So do you have a yeah. do you have a sorry, did you have a question you want to ask? No, I've got to like snowball. We'll talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, local business ad? Uh, I okay, uh, That's a two part question. Do you have a fa favorite local business ad from real life? And then also, do you have a favorite from the movie? All right, you think too. I, know. Uh, I, I can tell you my favorite persona uh, from Baltimore would be, there's a guy called Bill's Carpet Fair. Okay. And I mean, Baltimore had some, I mean, like Baltimore had some weird commercials. So Bill Car Bill's Carpet Fair like started like, like sort of like Phil's Carpet Warehouse. And that was clearly like Sean Jones, and, uh, the guy who made the original one um, and who is Phil. Uh, he, he was clearly influenced by that, right? So Bill's Carpet Fair was like these really zany carpet ads, but like as time progressed, they started getting weirder and weirder because they're like, oh, what the hell can we get away with? Like Bill starts being in drag, like he starts playing like the other guy's mom, like it's all these weird <laughs> things. And like, but they're hilarious. And then I was going to say, um, uh, I mean, I love shitty, shitty uh, political ads, especially when they're really small races with no money. Um, it's just like amazing. Like, like trust me with government when I can't even get a good fucking like. <laughs> like um, and then from from the movie, I would say my favorite local one in there. I guess like Rasso's Pizza. I love. I love yeah. when. Um, I love when regional ads bring in horror elements. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm trying to think. I don't really have. I, don't I feel like growing up in in Carroll County, though. I feel like you probably have some some insane local commercials. I know, and it's funny because, like, of course, I can't think of any right now. Like, all I think about, like, about growing. So Carroll County is like in Central Maryland, and it's kind of like farmland, you know. But we had like a great 
public access station where like these guys dressed as the Blues Brothers like hosted karaoke. No way. That was amazing. That was amazing weekend watching. We, we were there for a wedding. Oh my god, I, I didn't even want to go to the wedding. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I did. I did. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel and Billy, I love you guys. No, no. But so we, I was watching the Carroll County public. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I was watching the Carroll County public access station. Which, by the way, I love watching local television. Whenever we travel, it's like the fucking best. Um, but they had a show called like Paranormal Research Party or some shit. And I was like, what is this? Melissa, we can't go. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Uh, uh, commercials in Canada aren't great anymore. They're, it's all just corporate stuff. Like it's it's just yeah. Coca-Cola and perfume. Um, so whenever we're in the States, we always love watching oh hotel TV because like we yes. don't get we don't get uh, medication commercials. We don't get lawyer no. commercials. And that's all that that's all the commercials are in the States. <laughs> we're, we're very over medicated. <laughs> yeah. Class action lawsuits and uh, ED. <laughs> <laughs> Every hotel we went to, we, we should have played a drinking game with like how long it would take to see the first Camp Lejeune commercial. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, the lawsuit. Um, no, the one thing I'll say is uh, recently, man, we're just like, I feel like we're going to barely talk about the movie. We'll just talk about <laughs> weird kitschy <laughs> bullshit, uh, which is fine. I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say years ago, Melissa hosted this, um, this show on our, um, oh my God, what, was, what PBS? What was that? The, the oh, public, MPT, Maryland M Public Television. Yeah, their public television channel. And um, so we had to get, in order to watch it, we had to get like a receiver. So I started falling in love with watching like local ads again because I, I couldn't watch them at our house because we mostly just use Netflix and Hulu and stuff. And um, there was this one ad that would always come back. It was for catheters. <laughs> it was like, I was like, like the one guy's like an airplane pilot. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He probably needs a catheter. Yeah. And then it just goes down a road where you're like, oh my fucking God, there's a whole fucking ad for catheters. <laughs> and it was like, and it's cause like ad space on these, like these channels now is so cheap. It was like a minute fucking ad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's great. The only like crazy one I can remember that's local to us. I don't know if you can remember the pawn shop guy. Oh, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. So yeah. it was, he's probably still doing these ads and he he's is. probably like a 90 year old. So when we were kids, he was doing them and it was every commercial break. It was a different ad. I'm going to find this because if you don't know about this guy, like you're going to be amazed when you see some of his right. stuff because it feels like half the ads in your movie. Yeah. It's like, um, <laughs> oh, do you know what the, the, the jingle is? It's like something, something doesn't cost an arm and a leg. And he literally has an arm and a leg. Oh my God. <laughs> well, yeah. And he, so he went from owning punch. He had, pawn shops and then he got into some trouble because he was buying f stolen jewelry so like there, there were lawsuits involved and his name was disgraced and then he like slowly climbed back up <laughs> through the commercials yeah and then you know once uh money order or um like cash advance stores started becoming more popular yeah. he started doing that too and he became the lone arranger <laughs> Uh, oh my god yeah. that's crazy yeah that's... right I, I, I was thinking about it in the theater when we watched it i was thinking about it today too it's just like wow this is pretty much the same ad like you have the lone ranger well, it, uh, it's really funny you bring that up because like when i do like a couple times when we were writing the movie i would be like oh that feels like a funny thing i should lampoon and i would i would do it two ways i would be like i'm sure i actually probably did google lone ranger to see if someone had done it but it probably resulted in like 12 and i was like well fuck it i'll just five. i'll just do it then <laughs> yeah. Because there were a couple times where I was like writing like the um there's like a ad for um like a, a Baywatch ripoff show and I remember like coming up with like some of the early titles and some of the fake titles that I, I I came up with were already shows that I just had never seen and I was like what the fuck like all right so I had to like go to my third or fourth title option when we did um Coast Patrol mm -hmm. but yeah that's the thing that's weird about, yeah I mean like that's the thing that's weird too being regional like you know. 
I mean, first of all, how many fucking Halloween ads say things like scary savings or like <laughs> things like that? Yeah, they're all um, the same. But uh, but no, it's got a, it was just so funny, like um, realizing how many things are a lot more uh, uh, repeatable in a world that most people would never see. Right. Like I never I would never know what was up where you guys are. I would. I mean, right. fuck, I wouldn't know what was in, you know, I don't know, uh, Denver, Colorado, if local ads, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things, and I, I think this is in both WNUF and Out There, is the cop segment of the news show where he's talking yeah. about like the dangers of Halloween. Something about that just just makes it really feel like found footage. Like you're really seeing <laughs> an actual cop scaring the shit out of kids before they go trick or treating. Well, it's really funny. The guy who plays um, uh, Officer Bookwalter, and Bookwalter is a reference to J.R. Bookwalter, who did a bunch of like pioneering SOV stuff. And he actually let us license some clips in the original movie. Um, but like, so Fred Cowie, who plays Officer Bookwalter, he shows up and we shot that scene. This one literally. That was one of the first things that we shot when we felt like, okay, we can shoot something outside, yeah, you know, like okay. during the pandemic. So we. Basically, that tree is not even there anymore. They just cut down. Oh, the tree. Wow. <laughs> it's so sad. Um, but we basically like went out, set up all the gear. I stood in for Fred, despite being probably like, you know, a foot, a foot, a foot shorter. shorter than him. <laughs> Got it all set up, put wardrobe for him on our porch. He came up in his car, took the wardrobe, got dressed in his car went over to the tree, stood there. We stood six feet away. You know, it was like, yeah. it was yeah. so just like bizarre, all of the things that we had to think about in like, you know, being responsible about making a movie. Not knowing. And not knowing yeah. like what, you know, how things were going to develop or like what all of the different risks were. So yeah. we just like played it really safe, which I'm glad yeah. for, even though it resulted in this movie taking like it, five it, yeah, years. It took, yeah, it took a long time. <laughs> but I was going to say like um, the other funny thing about Fred was he shows up and he has like a little like soul patch or something. And he was clean shaven in the first movie. And I was like, oh, I think you should shave the soul patch like beforehand. And like uh, he's like, no, 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 man. My character is a... Uh, He's older now. He's a little more grizzled. <laughs> He's doing some shit. And I'm like... trying to get back to the dating yeah. scene, baby. <laughs> yeah, the soul patch. Like, the, 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 the facial hair of all grizzled people. <laughs> He's divorced <laughs> in, in between the well, first movie was, and this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole other thing, too, about doing the 90s versus the 80s. When I did the 80s, I could look at all my fucking hipster friends and, like, mustaches and beards. I'd be like, perfect. You guys are good. The 80s oh, have that. Yeah. No one yeah. wanted to be clean-shaven in the 90s. And I was like, dude, like, really, it really was a, a more clean shaven era for men and um and like it was such a hard, hard time to convince like my buddy john who plays uh who plays dr pizza and uh the moon face um in, in the sleeping ad um he was so upset that i, yeah. that I asked him to shave <laughs> he, was like, he was like my wife's not gonna like this <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be nuts about it either, but, uh, you know, if, yeah, it, if no, it's going sure, to sure, make yeah. for a funny ad, I'd you do it. You did it for a yeah. Halloween yeah. costume. I, yeah, I did do it for a Halloween. It was a good Halloween costume. I don't even yeah. remember what it was. I was, I was dead well, James Dean. Well, this mustache. Oh, yeah. oh, nice. This mustache that Chris is sporting resulted from last year's Halloween costume because he was Magnum P.I. Yeah. Oh, no shit. You grew yeah. the mustache for the costume? Well, I have a beard, a beard usually, yeah. and oh, I was like... Okay. And I was like, and I, I didn't have a Halloween costume. So I was just like, oh, fuck. I love tiki stuff. I got this Hawaiian shirt. I'll just shave my The Hawaiian shirt that you had was like my brother and sister-in-law gave it to you for Christmas. <laughs> and it is a reproduction of the Magnum P.I. <laughs> so wow. I had that shirt. But yeah. now all my Halloween costumes have to involve a mustache because I don't want to get rid of it. So I was at Ground Poe this year. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> <That's> perfect. 
I think I've honestly, unfortunately, I think I've uh, exhausted every bearded Halloween costume <laughs> at this point. So now I'm just like, fuck it. I I'm this thing with a beard. My my absolute. <laughs> yeah. I love it. My absolute favorite costume. People do uh, sexy We've ever done bearded wise was handsome John Pruitt and oh. Thor from Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> oh, that's great! Nice. Nice. It actually worked out pretty good because I, I also didn't have to do anything to it. I was like, oh, as long as I just look, I don't know, disheveled and I wear a jumpsuit, I'm good. And but- that jumpsuit has come in handy. We've been, you've been Michael Myers like 16 times <laughs> since then. <laughs> I'm honestly totally not surprised to hear that you guys are into tiki stuff. Uh, just yeah. from having met you and, and hanging out with you a little bit, but also <laughs> was that PBS uh, show that you had, Melissa? Was that the Spook Tale cocktail show that Shock you were shocked? Tale, my mistake. No, so um, so the MPT show that I did was actually very cool. It was all short films, kind of around uh, water conservation around the world. Oh, wow. um, so completely unrelated to horror or anything we do. Like I just like went and auditioned for it and got this host gig for it. It was very cool. Um, they were hoping it would be picked up. It was called Storylines. Mm-hmm. They were hoping it would be picked up as an ongoing program, but unfortunately they just did that pilot and that was it. But it was so cool because it was like something that was uh, unrelated to everything else that I had been doing. I yeah. mean, I've done a few like commercials and instructional videos for Home Depot, funny enough, that uh, people still to this day will message me and be like, hey, did you do some like Home Depot videos? I just learned to lay tile for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I will say like the shock dollar stuff was kind of cool for the movie because like, Alan, let's talk about the, like the, her being a horror host, but like we have her set in the basement and like when we were doing the, um, the ad for the um, the vampire toothpaste ad and also the um, Frankenstein makes a light beer ad. We just used her shock tail hour set. Like we didn't have That's to great. build a set. We just have to move stuff around. Yeah. Um, but no, how long did you do shock tail hour? Uh, five years. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I started that. Yeah. In what summer 2017, 2017 or spring 2017. Yeah, and I started that as a live show um, at a restaurant. Yeah, basically just like we have a friend who owns this restaurant, Golden West Cafe in um, Baltimore. And I just kind of mentioned like, man, I've always been interested in doing a horror hosting thing. And she just said, okay, why don't you do it here? And so we developed this show, developed this character. It was a monthly show to begin with. And then when the pandemic hit, like I actually had a show scheduled for March, whatever it was, and things were getting, you know, really dicey made the decision that day to do it live stream, which I had never done before. Uh, And I was like, well, fuck, I guess we'll figure out (laughs) how to do a live stream show from our basement. And we definitely hit some snags, but I think that was part of the charm of it as we went on that we would like have technical difficulties, but just roll with it. And like, we were having a good time. So other people were having a good time and started getting an audience from all over. And uh, I then started doing Aurora's bedtime stories during the pandemic where Every Sunday, I would get into Aurora drag and spend like an hour reading stories, reading poems. I did one that was like specifically for families so people's kids could tune in and watch. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But it really like turned into this thing where like... um... And this doesn't relate to the movie, but I'll, but but it's interesting to me. <laughs> I was gonna say like um uh we ended up getting an audience that was way bigger than just like the like the Baltimore folks, mm-hmm. and then so we because of that, I mean, we decided to do like like more virtual shows where we like ha- called up other filmmakers that had shorts or features that we could trim down and show. Um, 
And then it turned into DVDs. And yeah, yeah. 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 So I came out with my first DVD this past summer because I had been invited to host Blob Fest in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, so where cool. they uh, filmed the original Blob movie. Um, so I had been participating in that show for a while. I did a virtual variety show the year before when they were doing everything virtually. And then they invited me to host the stage show. And I thought, well, damn. I should have something I, I've been talking about doing a DVD. This is the perfect like fire under me, you know, to actually get this done. And we, we kind of, it was a fast production. Yeah. We made like, it happen. I mean, yeah. like it, it's, it's great. It's like a basically a hard variety show, like almost like something like if you remember like groovy ghoulies, but like live action Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's really fun. Like lots of weird things we do with like old, like all these horror hosts always show the same public domain movies and that really didn't like speak to us. So we sort of reimagined. Yeah. Like made like different, like we play around with old movies, like making shorter versions or redubbing them and yeah. doing things <laughs> like that. So, and then I make a cocktail to go along with the themes and it's a lot of fun and it's been really interesting just to see how that character has grown and even going to like Midsummer Scream in California and not even being in Aurora Drag and like within 10 minutes of walking around the floor, like before people were set up, this guy was like, you do Shocktail Hour, right? And I was like, whoa, yeah, that's whoa. very cool. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's a moment. <laughs> it was wild. Uh, I just wanted to compliment. I think it's in the werewolf one that you did. We watched um, the dubbing segment. Oh, God. Killed us. Killed us. Like doubled over. <laughs> I have to give a shout out to you. Yeah. <laughs> so That's, funny. That's um, our Thank buddy, you. our buddy Rob Walker, uh, wrote this, wrote the dubbing scripts, and um, so Rob wrote a bunch for like Hard Times. If you guys yeah. are familiar with them, oh, he's yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. just a great friend. He's a WNF fan. We became friends that way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we were a little fatigued from writing because like I had written yeah. all the scripts like for Shock Tale, like all the stuff with Aurora and all of her like interactions with the characters, and like Chris did a lot of really good like punch up and notes on it, and then I was like, oh my god. How am I even going to write this dubbing thing? They're like, wait, Rob's really funny. Give <laughs> so it to funny. him. Send it to the expert. <laughs> so we were really lucky to have him because it is so funny. Oh, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, hilarious. Our, our dogs, though, for some reason, do not like Party Werewolf. Uh, <laughs> they Rude. freaked out when he was on screen. I think specifically, like, asking for paws. Uh, yeah, they, they did were just not... like, fuck this. <laughs> they were like, disembodied paw ass. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. I was, well, I was gonna say like when I okay, so the content warning for dogs. Not too <laughs> oh my god! But I was gonna say like when I okay, so I hate being party werewolf because it's putting crepe hair on my face. Um, but I do it for my wife, who I love very much. <laughs> sit still for so long while I put the makeup on you. That's true. I don't like sitting still. Yeah. So like, so when we came upstairs, like I, I'm trying to remember to see like Madame Leota, our cat, like even just like interacting with her yeah. while this does not look like her. Yeah. Her pet like, dad, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's too funny. He was definitely like had to smell me for a while and be like, I don't know, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> you're, you're selling canine right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I, I love that you guys are just like bursting with great ideas, but uh, Melissa, Aww. like as as the co-producer of of out there, like, is it hard trying to rein him in every once in a while? Because <laughs> I I can imagine. It's probably not hard to imagine that his imagination could just run wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, even coming out of, you know, like, the movie tour and stuff, like, you know, I, I'm very much like, oh, my God, I can't wait to, like, cook dinners at home and, like, get our life back in order. And Chris is like, which of these five things should I do next? Like, <laughs> I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And it's like... Ooh, okay, buckle up. Here we yeah. go. But it's also, I mean, it's really amazing because 
there are so many times where I've said something like, oh man, you know what I'd really love to do? I'd love to like make a like folk record. And Chris will just be like, oh yeah, let's do it. And so we did a project called The Vanishing Hitchhikers, which is like a folk record about like urban legends or even um, Bucket of Blood, uh, the movie Bucket of Blood. I I was like, man, this would work really well as a stage play. (laughs) And Chris is like, okay, do it. And so he like for Christmas one year, gave me he had had a transcription service transcribe like the entire movie and it was like okay now you have to do this so i like (laughs) directed this like immersive production of bucket of blood so it's like that enthusiasm is so encouraging because there are a lot of times where i'm just like oh i'm so busy i've got so much going on this is an idea but it'll remain an idea and like one of the things that i love about being with chris is that he'll like light that little fire like almost like challenge me and be like okay so do it like yeah put your put your energy where your mouth is i mean it is it is sort of like weird like um like i'll literally say like oh man it'd be fun to write like a novelty halloween record and i and i was like if i wrote like songs for aurora would you would you just like she's like yeah sure whatever (laughs) but it's sing a bunch of funny songs about halloween um but i was gonna say no i think i think the most important thing with our relationship is i'm a psychopath um and like i'm really i'm really impatient like i can be really difficult to work with because i I, people can't see me not yeah no and i think i think melissa is a really great producer once she's insanely organized i am not organized like i'm like chaotic organized like i can tell you like oh i know i have a clip of that that'll work for this thing um but like my um i don't know i think my, my attention to detail functions a different way than her attention to detail does mm-hmm. so we have a good yin and yang there with um but i was gonna say like um no i'm just like i'm a terror like, <laughs> and, like she's she's the patient organized one so yeah it is like the the hardest part is probably like when we're really closely collaborating on something where we're playing sort of the same role you know for example like co-writing something Mm -hmm. um there we it's just like but I mean it's like with anything that you do with your your partner you just have to like remind yourself that you respect this person and that just because you have different ideas it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong um because I think you know we can get a little precious about our ideas and about our work and then when somebody comes in and is like oh it should be this way it's it's it can be a little like okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and like try to see like, yes, it could be this way, but also like, well, I really wanted it to be this way. You know? Well, I was going to say too, I think it's also important too, to figure out like, and I hope you agree with this. If you don't, this, well, will, this, will, be, this will be a fun moment. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think it's sort of like when you're working with your, I think with any two creative people, but especially like, I think creatively with your partner, um, it's like, okay, who's the driver's seat right now? Mm-hmm. Like with Shocktail Hour, Melissa is the boss. With WNUF, I was the boss, I'd right. say, you know? So like, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, and I don't mean like boss like in this sort of weird way. It's more just like who's final decision. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. like with Shocktail Hour, you know, I'll write stuff and like I'll send things to Chris for notes because I very much value like what he brings that I don't bring. Mostly like a lot of puns. <laughs> 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 or, you know, like with um with Out There, like I gave notes on the script yeah. as well. Yeah. But knowing that like this was Chris's script, you know, I'm not like... Yeah. co-writing this script yeah. i'm just i'm giving notes i'm i'm offering ideas for where i think as particularly with ivy which i think like you were really open yeah to my input on ivy and like really helped like you were you were very supportive of me making that character my own yeah but it's like at the end of the day it's like if i make a suggestion and chris is like no i like it the way it is it's like yeah. Oh, okay yeah like no questions asked and like 
the same thing with shock tail yeah. stuff you know it's like you need to know like where those like boundaries are um which yeah. is harder when you're like okay we're co-writing a thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's fair yeah yeah, that's great. I, I was actually going to ask if it's like you divide tasks based on your skills, but it looks like you kind of take turns in a way, which is really cool. Yeah, I think it's like based off the avenue of like what the product is. Mm-hmm. I mean, but also that we have, we, you know, we play in a surf band together. Yeah. Um, Melissa sings and I play drums in this band called Beach Creeper. And like, I mean, I wrote all the lyrics coming into it. Then when you joined the band, like you, we sort of like now that's your thing. And, yeah. and it was mostly because it was like things like that were like, oh, that it just makes sense as a natural. Yeah. Solution. Yeah. And plus, like, you know, and, and also just like writing melody vocal parts oh my God, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, because like, you know, Chris would write these like really fun like vocal parts for men. But they're, they're <laughs> so like when I came in um, to to the band, well, and I guess I didn't really like join the band. It's just like I came back from a very long trip and he and a friend who was in the band had had been like already working on some stuff. It was really important to me too to write for the band because I was like, I don't want to just be like the singer who's just like, hey, here I am. Yeah. Like I'm the girl in the band, yeah. you know. So it was really important to me. And I, and I feel good about like the way that that's transitioned too, because now that I'm really like, more or less the lyricist for the band you'll give like suggestions but it's also cool if i'm like nah <laughs> i was gonna say I, I also think it's like kind of important to figure out like and, and checking your ego and sort of saying okay what's the skill set here like melissa can write better melodies than me melissa is a, is a better much better actor than me uh and and i was gonna say like at the same time too when we were doing like shock teller stuff i think there was like understanding editing or production stuff she would divert those questions to, to my skill set yeah yeah <laughs> That's cool. And it sounds like you guys are doing like everything. Like you guys, you guys have the variety show, you have a band, you you make movies and with really insane and real looking commercials. Is that <laughs> stuff that you're always doing simultaneously? Like, are you always creating commercials and stuff for the next project or is it written specifically so- for the film? Yeah, so so right now, I mean, the joke Melissa made earlier about me, like, what five things do, do we want to do next? I mean, that's not a joke. Like, I literally have um, a TV show that we're literally, me and my buddy Ted, we're, like, budgeting and, and pitching to someone. We pitched it earlier this week. Um, that's, that is pretty c- generally related to um, to out there, actually. And um, so hopefully that happens. Um, but then also I have a couple of feature films that I'm trying to figure out what next feature film I want to be. I mean, literally, before this call, I was downloading... Um, uh, some stock footage to try to see like, oh, like like the starting point for something. And it would be sort of, it's basically essentially, um well, let me not hint too much. It's, it, it would be a Christmas movie and uh, like Christmas horror. And, uh, but at the same time too, it was like, um I don't want to blab the plot yet. Cause it's going to be, it's going to take me three or four years. Cause it's yeah. going to be another movie like we do. Cause that's the other thing too. It's like, even though we're busy, like, um, like we have we have full-time jobs that are not just this right and that's the most important thing i try to explain to a lot of folks that are creatives like a lot of folks in you know even like when i used to teach screenwriting like my students would be like oh i just want to go be a director and i'm like dude you're gonna be a gaffer for probably 15 years like in like some cases or it's not easy to turn a life of making art into a, a life where that pays your bills right so um but I mean, I will say this: we're all. I mean, you're writing a video game right now. You yeah. Know? Like, there's like she she does maybe do this for a living. I should say. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm a frozen. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but to also answer the other part of that question, it's like we're always working on projects, but not necessarily like banking commercials that might work yeah, for, yeah. for this or that. So yeah, like um like what you were saying is more the latter, where it's like 
once we have the idea of what we're starting to work on, then we'll start making the components of it. Like, um, like for example, the commercials that are in shock tail hour, you know, like we figured out that stuff we wanted to do. And then Chris would do a lot of like editing of stock footage and like produce all of those commercials. I mean, I will say that like one of the things that I love doing about with the WNF movies and, or things like that is I fucking love stock footage. Like I sincerely, like I find it so inspirational. I feel like it's my muse. Like I love looking at a clip and, and it really is sort of like that moment in like Ed Wood when Johnny yeah. Depp is seeing the footage of like the, the octopus and the fucking Buffalo running. Yeah. Like my brain works like that. Like how could I, how could I make that into a story? So, yeah, I mean, like, and I think I, I think I made this joke at the, at the, um at the screening we were at, but like, um like there was one of the commercials in out there uh, it was a guy. It's a it's a shot of a guy playing cello in a field of poppies, and uh, and like I was like, what the fuck? How is that even stock footage? Why would you ever use that? And my brain went, oh, that should be like a B roll for like a pure moods type commercial. So we made essential vibes like the fake CD of the month club um, because I was like, who the fuck would use a, a footage of that guy just playing a playing cello? Oh man, I loved that commercial too because it reminded me of like you know when you, your mom would make you go to like Hallmark and all that they yeah. had for you to do was to click those like different. Uh, scenes. Yes, yes. That, that rounder that would be in the store. Yeah, yes. you all the samples of like Easy every jazz. Yes. Oh my god! Wow, you just took me back. Uh, right? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That's funny. Honestly, I got like a million other questions I want to ask you guys, just because I, I love what you do, and I, I love how much of it's also just like in your own control. Like you, you handle your own distribution and everything. But uh, I don't want to keep you all night. <laughs> like we can. Oh, uh, we don't we, care. It's up to you guys. Like seriously, if you want to keep. Two Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you tell us. No, we'll answer questions till, till you guys are exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. it? What's it like handling your own distribution? <laughs> um, so, so I didn't until this one. Yeah. yeah. And okay, so I'll tee it up this way. So I work with a lot of different distributors. I think some are better than others, right? Um, but ultimately, it was never really that profitable from a standpoint of just like even somebody selling a lot of units. There's a lot of people that start cutting out those 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 pro the into that profit. So one of the things that was really interesting about self distributing this one, and I I will say this. I don't know necessarily if I would recommend self-distribution to everyone, but we had this, if somebody has a good social media presence or as a product that people really want to see, then I would recommend it mm-hmm. because you don't need a lot of the middleman. And like, at this point, like as long as people feel comfortable buying directly from you, or you want to start a platform, like get it through Amazon or something, although Amazon's cut is probably insane. I was really happy with how this time turned out. And the other thing that was cool too, was we were directly connecting with fans. Mm-hmm. So you have a situation where like one, if you buy directly from us, you're getting a uh, you're getting a, a a package from Trader Tony's Tape Dungeons. So it's already kind of an immersive experience. Yes. Um. Which like like I remember when we sent the crowdsource backers their their copies. You know, we started getting like people messaging me like, "Dude, I was creeped out when I got a fucking package from Trader Tony's <laughs> Tape Dungeons." Um. But to bring it back to advice for for filmmakers, I mean, like no one's going to care about promoting your movie like you're going to care. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I licensed so many titles when I was younger to people who just like. You know, it was their it was their release for April. And then come May or June, no one gives a fuck. What was frustrating about that was they're taking 50% or whatever the the ad like the um the split would be, and and then they would expect you, well, like, well, you promote it. And I'm like, mm, if you're the promotions arm, like if you're like, like I want to promote it, but like if all you're doing is selling copies to my friends and family, well then I can sell copies to my friends and family. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think it really comes down to your audience and 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 how big that footprint is. And it's it's really stressful and it's very time consuming. It it's is particularly like fulfilling orders and 
you know, one advantage that we have is that I'm, I do freelance, like I do contract work. So like I can make my own schedule. And so we decided that like, when we were going to be like, number one, traveling a lot for the movie and number two, like probably in the bulk of like that fulfillment period that I would like take fewer freelance gigs so that I could really be what we call the operations manager. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, because like sometimes, like I said, it was packing like, you know, 50 orders a day, um, particularly when we were coming back from trips. But at the very beginning, I mean, we'd get like 200 orders like in those first few days, like in a day. And it's yeah. just like, oh, my God, holy shit. Yeah, like, that's all day. I, yeah. And then I'm hand packing all of those, you know, and like if people order multiple DVDs or order a bundle, I'm like rolling it in paper and putting a cute little piece of tape with like track <laughs> yeah. lanterns on it, you know. <laughs> but the other thing that's really cool about it is that we would get messages, you know, where people would just like put in the notes like, oh, this is for my partner's birthday. They love WNUF. I can't wait for this. And it gives you the opportunity to then like give them a present too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. slip in an extra DVD and just be like, uh, you know, enjoy yeah. and all this like, or just like if people had problems. Luckily, I mean, I'm knocking on wood because like it's been like 99% great as yeah. far as like everyone getting like their orders, every like everything working. But we had one person who's like, the, <laughs> great. the VHS like tape arrived like smashed. I was thinking of a crazy person. I was thinking of a different story. Oh my God. We had this crazy person who somehow got in their head that they like were going to get a streaming code and they were yeah. mad that they had to, and it says that nowhere, like we yeah. don't have plans to stream the movie for like probably a very long time, but they were so pissed that they had to go buy a DVD player to oh. play the DVD <laughs> that, that they, they bought. <laughs> yeah. And they send us this email in which they are no joke, threatening violence against us. Wow. So we came up with like a gently snarky reply, which was like really fun. Yeah, I to think write. I, was it better help that we sent them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I kind of just want to send this dude a better help link and be like, you know, yeah. this therapy could probably be really helpful to you. And Chris was like, fuck it, do it. Yeah. So we wrote this email and then yeah. the, he did not like that. He didn't, it went, no, it went of back course not. Yeah, he wrote three times and i was like man if this guy writes me again i'm just gonna be like i'm so sorry we don't have time for a pen pal right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, pretty much <laughs> but I, I will say this i'm really glad we got a po box after that one. <laughs> yeah I, it's a good idea <laughs> yeah i was like if we're gonna do this we are getting a po box and like is it okay for me to say what you used to do oh my god yeah so chris is like Oh, well, like when I used to not want people to know my address, I would just use my parents' address. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you think the consequences? <laughs> my parents would just end up murdered by some such <laughs> You did mention that you're a psychopath earlier, so it's totally fine. Yeah. It's, it fits. Yeah. So I was like, you're kind of making an argument for the P.O. Yeah, box. Yeah. yeah. So, so. <laughs> I was I was adamant about the PO box. The funny thing is, once you <laughs> yeah. start, uh, like I had, we had this period where we we got we we got a version of a PO box uh, years ago when we were you know shipping stuff out and we didn't want to have our home address. We on still it. have a PO box. No, so we do that. Man, the Canadian postal system is completely different. That was an RPO box. And I was like, oh, great. No one knows where we live. And I was like, but this is also the closest post office to our house. So, like, if you're paranoid about people coming to your house, like, well, if they're crazy enough to come here, 
it's probably not hard to assume that they would go to my, hang out at my post office and then find me and then follow me home. It just it doesn't end like that. Those are the things that I think about when yeah. I lay down in bed. I'm like I gotta go check all the locks in the house again. I was just worried because it was an open PO box. Like it was like open for like fans of the show to send us stuff. I was worried that we were gonna get something weird in like there. Like a severed hand. That was like or, or like a leaking package or just something strange. Oh and then yeah. like having to look the post office lady in the eyes every time afterward <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna say the first couple weeks when we were mailing out um dvds for the movie like the post office hated me oh my god and so i literally threw them a pizza party because i yeah. felt so Aww. bad that's so literally smart came in with like a stack of pizzas yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great and now they high five yeah. you every time you show up i assume yeah they do yeah, <laughs> like that's that guy i mean that goes that kind of goes back to the 90s like nothing won a bunch of kids over like a pizza party <laughs> oh yeah man now they just call me dr pizza <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. Well, uh, we like to close out every interview. Did you have any other questions you wanted to ask? Uh, I'll ask one after. Oh, please. Okay, fine. All right. Well, we like to close out interviews by asking... <laughs> we like to close out interviews by asking people what their dream double feature would be at the drive-in. If you could play any two movies, what would you play? Are you going to go? God. Okay. My question is... Well, actually, I shouldn't say question. I have two double features based off of what time of year it is. Oh. So if this is summer at the drive-in, I got to go with slasher movies, and I would go, I would go sleepy, uh, sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I would go. That's great. Leave that in. Uh, I would go Sleepaway Camp two, oh, and yeah. then second feature, Return to Horror High. Okay. So th that would be my summer one. And then if I was doing like Halloween weekend, now granted. Uh, these did not play theaters, I think, but that's okay by your rules. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play anything. No, this, right? is, cool. yeah. this is your drive-in. <laughs> All right. I would, hell yeah. Hell yeah, my drive-in. Um, I would do Halloween weekend. I do a double feature of um, Midnight Hour. So the 80s, like made for TV thriller ripoff. Um, that'd be my first feature. And then my second feature would be uh, Bill Heinzman's Flesh Eater. Uh, really regional Pittsburgh zombie movie. It's terrible. But okay. I think that those movies encapsulate like drive-in Halloween to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm never looking for solid quality when I go to see a bunch of like, <laughs> old horror movies. Drive-in. Um, I would open mine with Farting Preacher. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, no, I would. Um, I would do The Undertaker and his pals, and which I because it's bonkers. That's good. And then I would do Grave Robbers, which then I was like thinking, I was like, man, they both have like crazy motorcycle. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. That's like, a good I'm double feature. Like, link up there. Yeah. You got a yeah. theme. <laughs> yeah. So Grave Robbers, the one that's like the waitress who falls in love with the or I don't know if she falls in love with him. She gets proposed to you by the funeral director. Yeah. There's also another movie that came out a year later that's Mexican called Grave. Oh, Robbers. really? Yeah. The um, but, Grave Robbers, the one that, uh, that, was that did Severin put that out? Or was that year? I think. I don't know. Severin or Severin put it out. Yeah. Got it. But man, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, it's awesome. It's and, so fun. And Undertaker Pals. I mean, you showed that at Shock Tale. I did. That was one of the first movies I showed at Shock Tale Hours. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Oh, well, yeah, so I think it would be like a really this. fun, fun, wild <laughs> night at the drive-in. <laughs> Okay, and real, real last question. Where can people get out there? Yes, yes. So wnuf.bigcartel.com. Uh, that's that's where you can get it. wnuf.bigcartel.com. And you're buying it directly from us. Yeah. So um, if you're listening and you're like, oh, man, these guys seem like so much fun. Wait till you see our, our movies. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you get a package that was lovingly packed and kissed gently yeah. before it's sent off the world. If you want that, right? If you Please want. kiss the package. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just joking. I don't know if you're able to do that. <laughs> 
thank you again to Chris and Melissa for taking the time to talk to us today about Out There, the Halloween megatape. Quick reminder, you can get your own copy of Out There at wnuf.bigcartel.com. It's the only place that you can get this movie right now because they distribute it themselves. And it is an absolute must-watch before putting together your best of 2022 list. And definitely something that, you know, if you've moved away from physical media, if you were to, like, grab something again physically, this is one to grab. Oh, yeah. Um, this movie it, should only exist physically. Yeah, the it's, other it's thing. a reminiscent kind of thing. You have to actually physically put it on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> that what a trip down memory lane that you have to put the tape in yourself, right? It's crazy that that's just a thing of the past. <laughs> it was weird the other day when we put it, we started watching like Christmas movies. Uh, sorry to let you guys know that I watch Christmas movies. Just ignore it for a minute. Um, and I didn't know which side of the TV stand the DVD player was in, and I didn't know which cupboard door to open, and I felt real shame. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Christmas is upon us, and uh, we will be back next week with a regularly scheduled episode of Nightmare on Film Street. We're moving into holiday territory, but I promise you, we are talking about horror movies that are surprisingly Christmas movies. Uh, Just like the lightest hint of Christmas, but still a fucking rad horror movie. One of my absolute favorites coming next week, a zany uh, balls to the walls <laughs> fucking uh, 90s direct-to-video special. But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.